Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John speaks from the subject of permission. And now here is today's broadcast. Well, there is a leadership uh, principle that I learned a couple of years ago. Uh, from Craig Rochelle, and it's about your organization's climate or, or culture. And he said that once you've been leading an organization for about two years, then everything that is, that is there, everything in your climate, everything about how you do business and, and, and your core values and all of that stuff, it's there either because you created it or you allowed it. You created it or you tolerated it. You've, you've either done it on purpose or you've simply allowed it to continue to exist. For example, if people are consistently late coming to meetings, it's because either you are also consistently late for meetings and therefore created it by your example, or you've just never said anything to anybody about it and, by, and you've tolerated it and because of that they think you're okay with it. You understand? It's a powerful leadership insight that I have found to be true. But I had not thought about it in a long time. And a couple weeks ago, I was driving down the road, and, and, and the Holy Spirit showed me this is not just an organizational concept. It's also a spiritual concept. And I want you to hear this, because this, this next sentence is sort of the crux of the entire message today. Most of what we deal with in our lives is either because we created it, or we allowed it. Now there's, there are things that happen to us that are completely out of our control. Our, our family, perfect example of that in the, last, in the last eight days. But most of what we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis in our lives is there either because we created it or because we've allowed it. Now we're, we're going to talk about some examples of that, but before we do let me encourage you, that's not the bad news. That's the good news. It's the good news because if you created it or if you allowed it, then that means you also have the, the ability and the power and the authority to change it in your life. So that's the good news. So if I could sum up this idea, it, it's the idea of permission. It's the idea of permission. And that's the very simple title and the very simple subject of this message, permission. So let's see it in the Word of God in, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And then they started speculating. Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And that question cuts right to the heart of the matter, right? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell, or the King James says, the gates of hell will not conquer it. Now verse 19, and I will give you, pay attention to this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now this is one of the places where Jesus describes our ability to give or revoke permission. 
This is in conjunction with the revelation that Peter had that Jesus was the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting on. And after that revelation, Jesus tells these 12 disciples and anybody else who may have been there, I'm going to build my church on the eternal truth that Peter just shared. Not on Peter himself, but on the eternal truth that he just, just shared. And it's going to stand no matter what the devil throws at it. And then he says, now I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom as part of the same conversation. Keys represent authority, right? You ain't got keys, you ain't got authority over much, right? If they didn't give you the key to your house, <laughs> that ain't your house, right? So keys represent authority. He said, I'm, I'm going to give you guys, and by, by implication, all of us who come after them, I'm going to give you the authority in the kingdom. And then he tells them how to use that authority. King James calls it binding and loosing, and that always sounded a little weird, a little kind of hyper-spiritual. This translation simply calls it permitting and forbidding, it's this concept, this idea of permission. Jesus uses those same terms just a couple of chapters later in a different context. It still means the same thing. And I want to show it to you. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 18. Jesus said, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person, now we probably need to share that on Facebook, right? Go privately to the other person and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you've won that person back. If uh, In verse 16, if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything may be, uh, you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. If he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a, as a corrupt tax collector. So this is about church discipline. Look at verse 18 though. I tell you, the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So again, this is about church discipline. But look at the principle here. He tells them that what they as church leaders permit and what they forbid will be backed up with heavenly authority. In other words, what you permit to happen in the church or what you don't forbid is what's going to happen. Jesus was telling them to abide by His commands, His teachings, and enforce it in church discipline. If they do, and they enforce what He teaches them, then their decisions will be supported by God Himself. And if people refuse to obey what God Himself has said, then God Himself will deal with those people. Now that's a perfect example of that leadership principle in operation in the church. Jesus himself said what goes on in the church is going on either because you, you created it or you allowed it. Right? All right. So here's the, here's the bigger picture here. Binding and loosing is about permission. Binding and loosing is all about permission. And that's true in your life as well as in any organizations that you might happen to be a part of. Okay, now I'm laying a foundational base here, and we're going to look at some very specific uh, real life examples in just a minute. All right, Matthew 8, chapter 5, chapter 8, verse 5. This is where it begins to, to come into play in, in, in our lives. Jesus returned to Capernaum, and a, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him Lord, my young servant lies in the bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, Well, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you. I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. 
I know this, so he starts to explain this. He said, I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. If I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Not very many people amazed Jesus in his three and a half years in ministry. This guy amazed him. Turning to those who were with him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed in that same hour. Now this was a military man, this Roman officer, military man, he understood how authority worked. When you have authority, you have the ability to give and revoke permission. Isn't that what he just said? The soldier simply asked Jesus to revoke the authority of that sickness to operate in his servant's body. And notice, he knew Jesus didn't need to make the trip. He knew that he only had to speak the word. So I want you to pay attention to this. Permission is given and revoked with his words. Permission is given and revoked through his words. Now I want to show you one more scripture and we'll see how all this ties together. This is after his crucifixion and resurrection. Before he ascended to the Father, this is what Jesus said. In Matthew 28, Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, is there a limit to God's authority? No. He said, I've been given all authority. The only limits on God is what He has set for Himself. He, he has all power in heaven and on earth. That's universal omnipotence. He has all power everywhere, over the laws of nature, over the laws of physics, over time and space. From the subatomic level to the astrological level, He's over all of it. That's good news. That's a good place to say amen right there. Right? So let's put this together. We've been given authority in the kingdom of God. We've been given the keys of the kingdom by Jesus Christ Himself. His authority is limitless. And He gives us His limitless authority to be used in accordance with His will. Not to get us a Rolls Royce, not to get us a jet, not to get us all this, all this stuff that we want to use for our own lusts. If it's, if it's kingdom authority, then it's used to advance the kingdom of God, the will of the King. So that means His authority can only be used in accordance with His will. Where do we find His will? Right here in the Bible. So as long as we are within the confines of the will and the Word of God, then we have the authority to bind and loose, to grant permission and revoke permission. So let's go back to our original premise, to, to our original thought today. Most of the things in our lives are, e are there either because we have created them or we have allowed them. Either way, it requires our permission to come, it requires our permission to stay, and it requires our permission to operate. The obvious corollary there is that if at any time we are ready for it to go, we have the authority to revoke permission for it to operate. 
Now this is as supernatural as you want it to be, and it's as earthly as you want it to be, this idea of permission. But it's still true. Let me give you some examples. It's a, it's a new year, and lots of people have reflected on what they would like to see changed in their lives. And, and don't we laugh about resolutions? Don't we like, did you make some resolutions this year? Like, did you waste your time long enough to make some resolutions? We laugh about that because they very rarely change anything. That's because resolve doesn't change things. Action changes things. And until you realize that you have the authority to create action, then your resolution is just wishful thinking. You have to have authority and then operate in that authority. For example, I've heard people say, I wish my kids were more respectful. You heard, heard people, I don't like how they talk to me. Well, listen, we live in a crazy world, and people don't often get told the truth. So let me tell you the truth. Parents, you have the authority in your home. You have the authority in your home. They are, th those kids are not your friends, at least not yet. You have to take authority because your kids will not raise themselves. They will not discipline themselves. As a matter of fact, it's not just your right to demand respect from your children. It's your responsibility. As difficult as that responsibility is, it's far easier to raise a respectful child than to fix a disrespectful adult. So let's apply this truth that we learned today. If that kid is not respecting you, excuse me, if your little sweet child is not respecting you, it's because you've either allowed it by not correcting them when they did it. And listen, you need to start early. You need to start early. I know it's cute when they're three and sassy. It is not cute when they're 13 and surly. You have to start early. So it's happening either because you've allowed it or because you have created it, listen, by allowing other people around you to disrespect you. It's about permission. Somebody gave your kids permission to speak to you that way, and the only way to change it is to revoke their permission. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see how simple but how profound this truth is in your everyday life? If you want the respect level to rise in your house, then you must not allow it, permit it to continue. you got to call them on it. Call them on it. You don't have to yell and scream and lose your mind. You simply tell them, I know in the past I have allowed you to speak to me this way, but I just want you to know the last day for that was yesterday. Starting today, there will be consequences for disrespecting me. And then guess what? You better get ready to enforce the consequences until the behavior changes. My wife, Valerie, was the secretary at a middle school and the kids would have to come and call their parents and, and, and she would come home just shaking her head. Some kid would call their mama screaming, I spilled something on my shirt, now get up here and bring me another shirt. <laughs> and that mama would come slinking up there about 10 minutes later with, with a shirt. Listen, if my child spoke to me that way, they would stay at school naked all day. <laughs> and walk home. <laughs> if, you have, if you have allowed disrespect in your home, you have to revoke their permission for that to operate. 
And, and, and let me speak to what creates it. If you allow people around you other than your kids to disrespect you, that creates that trend in your house. Parents, stop disrespecting each other in your home. It gives your kids permission to do it, and it gives disrespect the, the permission to operate there. Stop calling each other names. Stop putting your hands on each other when you're angry. And listen, stop listening to music that disrespects people especially women, and calls people names. If you don't want to be called that, don't listen to it. Because when you do, your kids think you're okay with it. If you allow it around you, it's giving them permission. And they'll think that's how it's supposed to be. And they'll either treat people that way or allow themselves to be treated that way. You see what I'm saying? We're giving permission. You, you deserve respect. But nobody is going to give it to you if you don't demand it for yourself. And if your kids don't see it, when you, when you allow other people to disrespect you, it gets into their spirits. And they start thinking it's okay. They start thinking, or you start thinking you deserve it. Or that that's just how it's got to be. Stop giving that stuff permission to stay in your life. And it works for all kinds of things in your life. I've, I've heard people say, man, I wish I was more organized. Then stop allowing clutter to exist around you. Right? I, I wish I was healthier. Then stop giving yourself permission to eat stuff that's killing you and, and stop permitting it in your house. I've, I've heard people say, I wish I had more time. I, I wish I had time to go to school. I wish I had time to read or, or, or whatever it was. Then give yourself permission to say no to things that you don't want to do or don't need to do. Don't let the urgent take the place of the important. Do the important stuff first. You see, what's happening in our lives is for the most part the result of what we've created or what we've allowed but we have the authority to do something about it. So now let's talk about some spiritual stuff. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. You've been in church for two years. You've, you've heard this 18 times. Finally, be strong in the Lord and, the, and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Why do we need to do that? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We talked about spiritual warfare a lot in, in 2018, and I would encourage you to go back to the YouTube channel and, and watch all those if you need a refresher. Because the, the, the fact of the matter is, we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And I wanted you to see this in this translation. Look at, the, look at the words. Powers, rulers, authorities, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. It is a military-like hierarchy. There is a power structure that we're fighting against. There is authority granted to the levels of beings that are attacking us by the devil himself. But listen, guess who has authority over the devil? Jesus does. He said all authority had been given to us. So guess what? Guess what you, you get to do the next time you're under attack by the enemy? You walk in the authority that Jesus gives you as his child, and you revoke his permission to operate in your life. 
like, John, that sounds really freaky and really super spiritual. Are, you, are we not in a spiritual battle? Did he not say the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds? We have spiritual weapons to fight spiritual battles. So you can swing and hit and kick all you want to, and it's not going to change the, the, uh, the, the stuff that's going on in your life. If you will fight spiritually, you will win spiritually. This is, this is how James said it. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. We, we quote bits and pieces of this. He said, so humble yourselves before God. This is the part we usually forget. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resistance, there's no reason to resist the devil if you're not going to humble yourself before the Lord because that's where your authority comes from. Come close to God, God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. He's not preaching to sinners here, he's he's talking to the church. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. One more time, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. When you're under spiritual attack... Humble yourself. Repent before God. Repent when God shows you what's not right in your life, and then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why is James so confident that that's going to happen? Because when we have a relationship with God, with Jesus, and when we are humbly submitted to him, we're not operating in our own authority. We're operating in his authority. So we have the right to revoke the devil's permission to operate in our lives. You belong to Jesus if you have surrendered your life to him. You belong to him, and the devil is trespassing when he invades your territory. So look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Several, several, uh, passive, uh, several sections here in chapter 6 and chapter 7. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, the price of his own son. So you must honor God with your body. Look at chapter 7, verse 23. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. You belong to Jesus, fair and square. So the devil has no right to operate in your life, listen, unless you give it to him. Either you create it or you permit it. Listen to this truth. If you are enslaved by sin or some work of the devil after you've been saved, it's because you allowed it or you created it. He said it right there. Don't allow yourself allow, permit yourself to get enslaved again because you've been set free. How, like, how free, we're free, like free from sin? Romans 6, verses 6 and 7. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are, present tense, no longer slaves to sin. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Look at verses 12 through 14. Don't let sin, don't let, don't permit 
sin to control the way you live. Do not give in. Do not permit sinful desires. Verse 13, do not permit any part of your body, because, uh, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Sin has no authority to operate in our lives. The devil has no authority to operate in your life. Evil spirits, deceiving spirits, uh, confusing spirits, they have no authority to operate in your life. You have the right to revoke their permission. So how do you do that? You do it the same way Jesus did, with your words. With your words, when they align, when you align your words with his word and his will, then they carry the same power and authority they did as if Jesus spoke them himself. I'm not sure you believe that. When you speak the word of God, when what comes out your mouth agrees with the word and the will of God, then it carries the same authority as if Jesus said it himself. Did he not say heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away? Look at verse 20, uh, chapter 21 of Matthew Verses 21 and 22, then Jesus told him, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. He had just spoken to a tree and the tree withered. You can even say to this mountain, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it'll happen. Verse 22, you can pray for anything and if you have faith, you'll receive it. Anything that prevents the will of God in your life is an obstacle that you can move when you understand faith. And Jesus said the centurion knew more about faith than anyone else in Israel because he understood authority. When are we going to get sick of allowing the, the enemy to work in our lives? When are we going to quit buying into the lie that the way things are are the way things have to always be? When are we going to rise up in the authority that we've been given by God himself and deny the devil access to our minds and our attitudes and our actions and our words? What did Solomon say? Proverbs 18 and 21. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You get what you say. If you agree with the Word of God, then God brings that to pass in your life. If you, if you say things that are against the Word of God and maybe more in line with how you feel or with what you see, then that's going. you're going to give life to that. It's about permission. When you speak the things that agree with the Word of God and the will of God, you're speaking life. You are granting permission for the Word of God to operate in your life and bring to pass what God wants for you. And when you speak the things that agree with the lies of the devil, 
or the attitude of the world, you're speaking death to the things of God in your life. We have to start taking our words seriously because they are granting permission to the spirit world to operate in our lives. We're either creating it or we're allowing it to continue because of whoever's word we believe and we confess. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Of course not, even if any, everyone else is a liar, God is true. Let God be true, King James, let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, don't believe what you see, believe what he says. So if you're sick in your body, you can confess, you, you can either confess your impending demise or you can confess that God is your healer. You, you can, if you're struggling financially, you, you can either continue to say, well, this is the way it's always been, this is the way it's always going to be, or you can confess that you're blessed because you give. You can confess that God is your source and not your job or not man. You can confess that He is your provider, that He will make a way, that He will open doors that no man can shut, or shut doors that no man can open. If you're struggling with worry and fear, you can speak words of doom and gloom, or you can say, I have given that situation to God and I'm trusting Him and I'm believing Him for the best possible outcome. You can even be direct when you're facing a direct attack of the enemy. You have the authority through Jesus to call it by name, to say pride, doubt, discouragement, confusion, worry, fear, anger, you can alcohol, drugs, gossip, whatever it is, call it by name and you can tell it, I am revoking your permission to operate in my life by the authority of, in the name of Jesus in whom I believe and to whom I belong. You have no right to operate in my life anymore and you must go now. And then after you bind or deny what needs to go, you need to loose or allow what needs to come. Invite the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard your heart and mind. That's Philippians 4 and 7. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and take complete control. That's Ephesians 5 and 18. Confess that you have the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. Declare and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit and peace with God. That's Philippians 5. Every time you deny, every time you, you deny permission to one evil thing in your life, grant permission for the things of God to operate. And you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it until you see reality line up with His will. Let me show you how Paul said it in Ephesians. You'll see the whole process right here in this, in this Scripture passage. In Ephesians chapter 4, you'll see revoking permission from one thing and giving permission to another. In verse 21, Ephesians chapter 4, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, look at this, throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. So that's deny the permission of that stuff to operate in your life. Instead, let permit the Spirit 
to renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Look at verse 24. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Look at verse 31 and 32. Get rid of, deny permission to bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of either of evil behavior. And then verse 32. Instead, what are you going to give permission to? Kindness, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It's about permission. And until we recognize it, and until we operate in it, we are living way beneath our means as believers in Jesus. Our relationship with Him gives us access to the authority that we need to change many of the things in and around our lives. We are never helpless. We are never hopeless. God will either deliver us from them or give us the grace to go through them. But either way, we don't just have to accept what life offers. Let me ask you this. What, what are we going to create or allow in our lives in 2019? What, what are we going to allow? Will, will you take authority? Will you take the authority that God has given you? Or are you going to give it away? We have the keys of the kingdom. And I say it's time to start operating those keys. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.